Hey, I want to give another special welcome to any of you who are, uh, came to the vineyard today at the invitation of somebody who was being baptized. Uh, I'm sure that they deeply appreciate you coming and sharing in the day, day with them. I do owe you an apology, however, if you're here for the first time today, and my apology is that for the message time, I'm going to actually finish a message that I started last week, which is kind of rude. But uh, it was one of those things where it was a one-week message, and then the Holy Spirit had to go and show up at our services, and all kinds of cool stuff started happening. So, you know, here, so we, we kind of lost track of time for a little bit there. Um, but it's just part of how we're wired here at the Vineyard is, you know, we have a plan for every Sunday, but we kind of hold it with a loose hand just in case God has better plans, right? So um, I'll try to have something for everybody by the end of this message, but if you feel a little lost in the beginning, sorry about that, all right? I don't know what, quite what else to do. I've been working through a series of messages called The Power of Your Life, a study in the life of King David from the Old Testament, and the idea is that it is my confident belief from reading the Bible from cover to cover that God has deposited a great power inside of you, a great power inside of you. God has put something inside of you that needs to get out. And he wants to bring it out for his glory, for the accomplishment of his purposes. And as a result of coming to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, God has put a power in you to do truly great things. I mean, things you couldn't do before him. And to do things that have an eternal significance. You know how you're kind of muddling along in life and you got this sort of concept that I know what I'm doing maybe matters for the moment but will it ever matter after I'm gone and after my name is forgotten God has put inside of you a power so that you can impact eternity and others for eternity what you do really matters and God has put inside of you a power to actually bear the kingdom of God into our present reality in the power of the Holy Spirit to come and be a vessel uh, an agent of the kingdom of God here. Well, when you believe this message, when you make a decision to believe that message from the Bible, not from me, don't believe me unless you can back it up, unless I can back it up and you agree with what's happening in here. When you believe this message, that God has put this power inside of you, and when you surrender to the truth that God's in charge of how that power looks in your skin, so don't spend your life trying to copy somebody else, when you believe and when you surrender in those two things, then you begin to access that power. And good things, uh, the powerful stuff begins to happen. Well, we talk a, a fair amount about that, the power that God has put inside of us. We talk around here, we talk about God's power to heal, yeah, and we've seen some healings, to deliver people, and we've seen people set free from stuff. And we, we talk about God's power like that. But I feel led in this series to devote talking about the power uh, to unpa unpacking some of the less talked about elements of this power. Um, and it's not to say that those first things don't, don't happen, but I'm just saying there's more. There's more to the power than just trying to figure out how to be an agent of God's healing or God's deliverance. There's a lot more to it. And I think some of the things I'm feeling led to talk about with respect to the power inside of, of you is, is going to be something that I think more of you can more readily relate to. 
Okay, because some of you are probably frustrated by now. Man, I've been hearing for 10 years about all this healing power and stuff, and I don't see anything happening through me, right? Don't raise your hand, but don't be, you know, it'd be okay if you're asking that question. Well, are there other elements of this power? Absolutely. Last week, we made it halfway through the first of these elements that I want to talk about, and that's the power of covenant relationship. The power of covenant relationship. I want to continue with that today. So, Lord, we just invite you to come and help us sort this out in uh, these next few minutes. Been working from First uh, Samuel 18 last week, the first four verses. First Samuel in your Bibles, right here, just about that far, about five sixteenths. No, I'm going to go seven sixteenths of an inch from the front. Okay, page two sixty four in my Bible probably has nothing to do with your Bible. By the way, if you don't own a Bible. I want to give you one this morning, okay? Come and see me afterwards. I want to give you a Bible. If you don't own a Bible, I don't mean if you didn't bring yours. You can't have one. That's your problem. But I'm just saying, if you don't own one, I want to give you one. 1 Samuel 18. After David had finished talking, verse 1, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. The Bible says Jonathan became one in spirit with David. This is the kind of special relationship we're talking about. We talk about covenant relationship. There's something that happened between David and Jonathan. Something that happened between these two guys is a very, very powerful thing, as you see as you continue to read, read through the scriptures. But I love the way it says this, they became one in spirit. That it's like spirit touching spirit. It was something, something very uh, privileged. You know you have a spirit, right? You got a body, right? Go ahead, touch it. Yeah, you got a mind, go ahead, think something. You have emotions, feel something. Beyond that, the Bible says God has set eternity in the hearts of men. You also have a spirit, a spirit man. Spirit man. That's the part we need to get saved. That's the part we need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the part that's going to heaven after this. Okay? So you have this spirit, and it says that David and Jonathan became one in spirit. And that's a really unique and powerful. This oneness in spirit is so rich and so life-giving, and this is really the core of the thing called the covenant relationship. And then it says, and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. I told you last week, what is a covenant? A covenant is a special agreement between two parties that results in an irrevocable relationship, an unbreakable relationship. You can't break it. It's, it's different than, you know how our relationships come and go? And some of them end fine. I mean, some of them, you, they, just, they just sort of wind down or you move or something. Well, a covenant relationship is an unbreakable relationship. It's forever. And... Uh, the roots are deeply embedded in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 15, I showed you last week and plenty of examples throughout. But what I want to tell you is you have within you, Harry, you have within you, part of the power that's invested in you is the power to enter into covenant relationship. And that's part of the power. And something really amazing happens when we find our way into that. The power of covenant relationship. You hold the capacity of actually being spiritually bonded, being one in spirit. With, with another. It's an amazing and sustaining and life-giving experience. I gave you two examples last week, then we'll be ready to start, bringing you all up to speed. The first example was your relationship with Christ. 
Your relationship with Christ is a covenant relationship. It's built on the covenant of his blood. It's a covenant. It's unbreakable. It's an irrevocable relationship. It's a special agreement between Jesus and you. Something he did for you. You accepted his offer of covenant. You are in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Your marriage. For those of us who are married, not all of us who are married, but for those of us who are married, the intent is that we would be a covenant, that our spirits would be bonded. Not just that we would be lovers, not just that we would be friends, not just that we would be business partners and parents together, all those kinds of things, but that we are meant to have a covenant, a covenant spirit touching spirit relationship. That's where we got stalled last week because there was so much interest. I mean, if you could have seen your faces when I was talking about the power of spiritual covenant in marriage, you'd understood why I said, I think we need to rest right here. And uh, Tony and I have already started talking about how can we develop this? How can we develop teaching, instruction, make provision for those of you who are married, maybe those of you who want to be married, to get this concept of covenant marriage? Well, that brings us to the third thing we never got to last week. There's a third example of covenant relationship, and I just want to call it deep fellowship. Deep fellowship. It's a spiritual bond between brothers and sisters in Christ that goes beyond the general fellowship that we have as believers. You know what I'm talking about? Deep fellowship. The reality is that we have fellowship with all believers. We have fellowship with all believers. Uh, but within all the believers that you know, the potential exists for something very cool, very amazing, between a very few. David and Jonathan went beyond relationships that they had with everybody else in Israel, and they had a deep covenant fellowship let's look at the next verse in the passage jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to david along with his tunic and even his sword his bow and his belt there is so much going on here it looks so simple but jonathan came and he said david i love you as myself i want to enter into a covenant relationship with you and he gave him his tunic he gave him his uh his uh, sword his bow and his belt in essence what you're seeing here is Jonathan is giving David his birthright. Because look, think about it. Who was Jonathan? He was Saul's son. Who was Saul? King. So in general dynasty, I'm not talking Joan Collins dynasty, but I mean in general dynasty, seven of you got that, all right? Few. In a dynasty, the son becomes the king. So Jonathan would have been in line to be king, but God had instructed David to be anointed as the next king. And so what Jonathan's doing is he's giving him all of the articles of his right to be king. He's giving him his tunic, and it says even his sword. He would have been wearing royal stuff. He's the son of the king. And he gave it all over to David. And he said, I surrender. I am surrendering to God's plan for us. It's God's plan that you're going to be the next king in Israel, and I'm not going to fight that. I'm surrendering that over to you. And each man is bringing what they have to make this covenant. Jonathan's bringing all this king stuff. What's David bringing? Who is he? He's a poor shepherd, right? He's just a poor shepherd. He doesn't have some fancy sword. He doesn't have, he's just a poor shepherd. He's the son of Jesse. His brothers are soldiers. Who is he? He's just a regular guy. What does David have to bring to this covenant relationship? He has David to bring to the covenant relationship. He has David to bring. He has himself to bring. 
Each one of these guys brought all they had to the covenant relationship and surrendered it to the other. He has himself to bring. You may say, I wouldn't be qualified for a covenant relationship with another brother or sister in Christ like this. I don't have anything to bring. Yes, you do. You have yourself to bring. You have yourself to bring. And this is the nature of the covenant relationship, is both parties being in this kind of honest, surrendered condition to one another. Okay? But it's a special kind of relationship between a very limited number of people. Now, let's put this... Let's hold on to that thought, the special covenant relationship. And what I want to do is I want to put it in context with, uh, with, with, the, with the subject of fellowship that we have together as believers. Because in a general sense, listen, we live in covenant fellowship with every other believer on the planet. In a general sense. I'm not talking about this specific one in spirit, heart to heart, fully surrendered thing. I'm talking about in a general sense... We live in a kind of covenant fellowship with every other believer on the planet. Why? Because the reason we're connected to each other is the covenant that we have with Christ. And so why are Dennis and I brothers? We're brothers because we got the same daddy, right? Different mamas, same daddy, right? Our father in heaven. And we're connected to our father in heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. And because of that covenant, we are now brothers. So whether we have the opportunity to have this special covenant relationship or not, we still live in a general sense of covenant relationship with every other believer on the planet. And the Bible says that there are certain aspects to that, that we need to love one another, right? Does the Bible say that? The Bible says we need to esteem one another, that we need to show forbearance with one another, give each other the benefit of the freaking doubt, right? That's what forbearance means. You've got to read Greek to see freaking, okay? It's right in there, though. To show generosity toward one another. To sacrifice for one another. These are the elements of general fellowship one to another. But I think the most fascinating command of Jesus for us to live in fellowship with each other is his call for us to offer perpetual forgiveness to one another. Perpetual forgiveness. We are called by Christ to offer unlimited forgiveness to each other. Oh! hate that don't you i just want to punch somebody don't you come on jesus disciples came to him and said lord how many times must i forgive my brother seven times jesus said no not seven times but 70 times seven 490 times oh 490 no 700 times 700 there is no limit there's no limit we are to offer unlimited forgiveness to one another why is that because of the covenant of Christ that connects us. Listen, listen, you have unlimited, unlimited forgiveness from Christ because of what? The covenant, the blood of Christ, right? So you sin, you promise never to do it again. I'm going to do better, God. Raise your hand, don't raise your hand, okay? And you fall, and you go, oh, I must be out of the deal. And you come to Christ, and who do you find? You find him embracing you. You find him loving you like the first day you ever thought of him. Why is that? Because the covenant is built on what? His blood. His blood that offers perpetual forgiveness. The book of Hebrews teaches us perpetual forgiveness. That is not a license to sin. That's not a license just to go out because you can always say, there's something wrong if that's what's going on. But every time I fall, 
Every time I fall, I come back to Christ, I find him just as ready to receive me as any other time. And it's perpetual, it's unlimited because of the covenant. Now, if we're all connected by the covenant, then guess what? Then we also, the covenant commands us to offer perpetual forgiveness to one another over and over and over and over again. How many of you hate that like me? Too bad! It's the covenant. It's the covenant that calls us to do that. And you can't have one without the other. Remember when Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you forgive others of their sins against you, then your Father in heaven will forgive you. And if you don't forgive others, then your Father in heaven won't forgive you. And doesn't that cause you to scratch your head? Huh? Doesn't that just cause you to go, why? Is this a conditional? It's a demonstration of the covenant. When I'm living in true covenant with God through his son Jesus Christ and experiencing perpetual forgiveness and being honest about it, because I still need as much forgiveness today as I ever have, maybe for different stuff, but as much. hasn't changed. I just, I'm just dealing with a new set of, would you forgive me for? Right? So if I'm living in that kind of perpetual forgiveness relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ, then... I won't be able to withhold forgiveness from another. And so it's an indication of whether or not we're living fully in the covenant that God is offering. Does that make some sense? We can't have unlimited forgiveness from Christ and not at the same time extend unlimited forgiveness to others is all I'm trying to say. Well, that means that we must always grant full forgiveness to any brother or sister in Christ who requests it. Why? Because we're connected by the covenant. We can't act outside the covenant. Now, two things, and then I'll move on. One, don't wear yourself out trying to grant forgiveness to somebody who doesn't want it. How many of you have chased somebody around trying to get that thing fixed up, and they really don't care? They really don't want your forgiveness, right? You can't fix that. Just pray about that, and just be ready and be sure in your heart that you don't need their forgiveness. And be honest and authentic about it. But don't spend the rest of your life trying to chase people down to forgive them for things that they have done against you if they're not in a position where they even realize that they have offended you. Just pray about it and be ready. But the other thing is that if anyone in Christ comes to you and wants to be reconciled and is willing to ask for your forgiveness then you are bound by the same covenant you have with Christ to do that. Anyone. It doesn't mean you have to go back to being best friends. Sometimes that's not realistic. Sometimes the bad chemistry that brought the, about the first offense is evidence that you're not suited for deep fellowship with each other, right? But you are commanded to be in general fellowship with each other by the covenant of Christ. So if anybody comes to you says, I want to be reconciled, I want to be forgiven. You are bound by the covenant of Christ to extend it. Does that make sense? Say yes louder, I'll start the whole darn thing again. Man, I knew you were here, I could see you breathing. Okay, but in a much more specific sense than of all the people that we have general fellowship with, we have opportunity to engage a power to engage in covenant relationship with a very limited number of other believers. And you know how you're just kind of drawn to other believers 
and the chemistry is there for a deeper relationship. You can't have it with a ton of people. There's not enough of you to give. But you can have it with Christ. You can have it in your marriage. And you can have it probably with a couple of other believers in your world where you have that special, unbreakable, life-giving, sustaining relationship. Okay? So your question is, how do I get into one of those in a healthy way, right? Ask me. Could you possibly get together on asking me on that? How do I get together? How do I get into one of those in a healthy way? One word, slowly. Slowly. Move carefully. Move carefully. Everybody you like isn't necessarily a covenant relationship. You can enjoy them. You know you enjoy people on different levels. But move slowly. One of the problems we have in America today is some people never enjoy a covenant relationship with another brother or sister because they don't stay in one church long enough. You gotta stick, you gotta move, you gotta be there long enough to figure out who these people are and let God lead you to that person. But I want to give you foundations of a covenant relationship. There are three things. Number one, deep desire. You gotta desire this. Some of you are stirred right now. I know you are. You're going like, I would like this. I would like to have another brother in Christ, another sister in Christ. You know, in addition to my relationship with Christ, perhaps in addition to my marriage, if you're married, I'd like to have another brother in Christ, another sister in Christ that I was, that I was connected to in that way. That would be a remarkable, life-giving thing. Well, then desire it. Desire it. And let that desire creep into your prayers. Say, God, is there a David and Jonathan relationship out there for me somewhere? Let that just creep into your prayers. And you've got to creep into your prayers. You've got to desire it enough to get past the betrayals and the hurts that you've had in a relationship. Is it just me or are people messed up? Huh? Yeah, they never know they're part of the script. I write it all out for them and they don't practice it, right? You've got to pray through that stuff. And you've got to get to that place of deep desire. Now listen, don't pray about this unless your relationship with Christ is enjoyed as a covenant relationship. And if you're married, your marriage is in a covenant relationship. Don't pray for a David and Jonathan relationship if the, to replace those first two. They won't. They have to proceed from it. Your first priority as a believer is your covenant relationship with Jesus. And then from that, your covenant relationship with your spouse if you're married. Now, if you're single, if you're unmarried, you may jump from one to three. You may go to the third one. You may go to deep fellowship. Um, okay, so deep desire. Second, unconditional surrender. You've got to give it up to this brother. You've got to give it up to this sister. It's a surrender. And when they ask you a question, you're surrendered to answering it honestly. All right? There may be questions you hope they don't ask you, <laughs> but you're surrendered. You're surrendered to them. You're surrendered to their prayer. How many of you, like me, somebody comes up and says, I'd like to pray for you about something, and you just want to say, would you just leave me alone? Anybody? Is it just four of us, really? The rest of you are liars? Come on. You're just so agitated about something and says, well, can I just pray for you about that? And you just want to say, ah, no, why don't you just go pray somewhere else for me, okay? Is it just me, really? Just us? Us? Raise your hand, really. I'm just curious. Okay, there we go. All right. In, the, in, in this kind of covenant relationship, there's a surrender to that. There's none of that. You go, yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. It's a surrender. And then number three, there needs to be a profound trust. There needs to be a profound trust. 
you need to know that you can tell that brother something, you can tell that sister something, and, and it's, it's done. There's a trust. There's a deep bond of confidentiality. There's a deep commitment to trust. I think these are the foundations of a covenant relationship. And I just, you know, bring you this first thing in this uh, series of what the power is to tell you that that's inside of you. The potential exists equally for every one of us to have these kind of relationships. Some of you have had them, right? Some of you have them. Some of you have them, and you know what I'm talking about. But these are truly, truly cherished relationships. All right, now as promised, just a few brief words for everybody. I want to underscore for everybody that the essential nature of our relationship with Jesus Christ is one of these. One of these. I think there's a lot of confusion in America today about what it even means to be a Christian. Does it mean going to church every Sunday? I hope not. I wouldn't be one. <laughs> what? <laughs> when I'm on vacation, you know, asking me to go to church is like asking a mailman if he wants to go for a walk, right? I mean, <laughs> hello? Think about this. Hello? <laughs> I'm just saying, I know that my, it's not built on that. It's not built on religion. It's not built on getting your life all together so that you can put it up against somebody else's. Being a Christian is about knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life in an authentic way. And it's covenant. It's an unbreakable relationship. You know he's there. You can feel him. Sometimes you can just hear him a little, right? You see your life being transformed day by day, bit by bit, by his power. Sometimes it's three steps forward and two steps back, but it's an upward trajectory in your life that God is taking you on. This relationship is a covenant relationship. There's no other way to see it in the Bible. I think one of the great disservices that we have done in the evangelical church in America is, is making becoming a Christian so informal. On one hand, it's, it's a wonderful thing just to be able to say to anybody, would you like to ask Jesus Christ into your life right now? And of course, that's a real thing. But I, 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 I'm, I'm anxious that maybe we have made it so informal that we may have trivialized it in people's lives. So they said, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that. You know, yeah, I did that once. There's no continuing covenant relationship, but yeah, I did that once. And you know how I love the church, the capital C church. I don't care what signs on the front of the building. I don't care if it's Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal. Baptist, by baptism of the Holy Ghost fire. I don't care what's on the sign. I really don't care. But I, I, I have deep respect for more formal churches than us who do have a process of bringing their children, their people through to the place of, of understanding it as a covenant and something that they call confirmation, right? When they, and, and maybe when you went through that, maybe when you were a kid, you say, I didn't get it. But can you imagine now, now that you get it, coming through that, and understanding what it is they were trying to say to you when you were this high, this high maybe, right? It's a covenant relationship. God is inviting you into a covenant relationship. Unbreakable. You meet him at his blood. So that means unlimited, perpetual forgiveness as you need it. As you experience the forgiveness of Christ in this covenant relationship, it's just like a marriage. You don't want to sin anymore. It's not that that blood provides you license to sin. 
That blood not only provides you forgiveness for sin, it provides you power to stop. And it provides you a desire not to sin again because you appreciate so much the cost of the relationship. All right. That's about all I got to say about that. Thanks for coming. See you next week.